welcome to the 61st episode of Everyday Tunnel. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Bob Wang and Eric. Fuck, I heard a sound and I got distracted. Let me let me redo that. <laughs> Eric, fuck. I was like, did you forget Eric's name? <laughs> no, actually, you know what? We're actually going to run with this. Now I just have to close Facebook. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> you know, that, that's the kind of editing I like. It's like, it's like fuck. Uh, yeah, let's, let's roll with it. We'll do it live. Guys, how's it going? How, how are you doing? Bob, let, let's start with you. What have you been up to? Yeah, I'm very, very happy to be here. I'm really glad to have uh, Eric Landon back on. I, I know it's been a while since we've assembled the trifecta. And we definitely uh, went through some hurdles to get this to work. But I think we're going to have an amazing podcast for you guys. What have I been up to? I've been playing a good amount of Legacy, both online. I also just came back from SCG Philadelphia, where I played the team open. I played Slow Depths there. The team did not make end up making day two. I ended up going 7-2 personally, but I think there was one match I easily could have won. So I could have gone 8-1. And I played the uh, Slow Depths deck, uh, the version with Dark Confidants. And overall, I feel like even though... Everybody's, we'll, we'll get more into this, but everybody's talking about Ren and Six. And I found, even though everybody had like Ren and Six Wasteland, I played against Ren and Six for literally the first four rounds of the tournament, and I went three and one against it. So I don't think that Ren and Six by itself is enough to beat Dark Depths. And we can talk about why a little bit later, I guess. Yeah, sure. Let, let's get into that later. Eric, you've been you've been streaming a lot. Have you also played a couple of tournaments lately, or are you fully committing to content create, creation right now? I mean, I'm spending a lot of time doing content stuff, but I, I do plan to play Magic Fest and especially legacy tournaments that come up. I was going to go to GP or Magic Fest Denver this past weekend, but the, un, or surprisingly, the, the flights from Portland to Denver weren't as good as I expected them to be. So I decided to skip it since it was um, it was a standard tournament and the flights were pretty bad. And I, I just took the, the weekend off for Magic and did some non-Magic stuff with some non-Magic friends. I went camping. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? I hear yeah. like the the Pacific Northwest is pretty good for that. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. And while you were doing that, Reddit discovered that you had actually broken the meta game with your 12-post Mystic Forge Karn deck, as somebody posted on the subreddit. So you only learned about that later, that you had actually broken the meta game. So just, can you quickly tell us like how, how that went for you, that deck that you built there? Sure. Uh, yeah, that that was interesting. I saw that this this morning before my my stream, and uh, yeah, I broke legacy. <laughs> no, right before I went camping, the the stream before I went camping, I spent like the whole day playing Urza Stompy decks with the new Urza Forge and the blue Urza, and those cards were like pretty cool and stompy decks i mean i didn't have like crazy records or anything with them but they seem to add quite a bit because they add a lot of like card advantage engines to stompy decks that you usually just don't have so i've been continually playing with those and after a couple of leagues with the blue urza lord something or other high artifice or something yeah yeah that card and the forge urza's Mystic Forge. Mystic Forge. I was then. I was like, well, maybe I'll just get rid of the blue and try some more dedicated Mystic Forge stuff and play four of those. So I, I started to put together a colorless deck that's like Cloud Post with Mystic Forge, and I kind of started to t to put it together on my stream on Friday, and then uh, before or on Thursday, and before I went camping, I, I was waiting for my, for my friends to come pick me up, and I ran a couple of leagues with it, and I went three and two and two and three. So I went five and five, which, you know, it's pretty good. Broken. <laughs> 50%. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I posted one game on Twitter where I kind of discovered what um, what Paradox Engine does. Because when I was on stream, somebody said, put Paradox Engine in your sideboard. I was like, sure, I'll put that in my sideboard. And then one game, I kind of stumbled upon what it actually does in the deck. And it literally lets you play your entire deck and cast massive ballistas and things like that. So that was pretty cool. And I posted on Twitter. And then I went camping and I came back. And today I noticed that there was a, a Reddit thread that said I, I had broken legacy and I was hiding my tech from everybody and I wasn't streaming. <laughs> <like that. laughs> so you went into into the woods, into the, the wildlife to, to hide from people that were trying to steal your list because you needed to keep it secret for, for the next, I don't even know, Magic Fest or something. Yeah. That's how it works, right? Exactly. I guess we can talk a little bit about that deck later that has... Um, you were allegedly, as the post says, murdering people with. Uh, for for a couple other things that have been going on in Magic, I think we have a, a lot of tournament results from the last weekend especially. Uh, the first one I want to get to is the Eternal Fest Legacy Championship in, I apologize in advance, Wangzhou in China. It had, I think, 104 players with even some international representation. And the top eight featured one Eldrazi Agro deck, one Hogak Depth deck, 
one burn deck, two blue-red Delver decks, two black-red reanimator decks, and a land stack. And one of the blue-red Delver decks actually ended up taking down the finals over the Eldrazi aggro deck. And th- that's just something that I want to point the attention of the community, of, or at least, let's say, the Western community to, because there's a lot of legacy going on in China, and they, they are really consuming a lot of also the, the Western articles. And I know that they have articles translated, sometimes even podcasts. So they, they put in a lot of work, and I, I would really like to see the communities getting even closer and, and together, because I know that the Chinese are, are watching and reading a lot of our content, and it would be cool to also show them more representation. And I almost want to say Western media, yeah, but I, I guess we're just like a little podcast, but we are one of many and that's what I want to do. And I also want to highlight that in December, there's going to be another one of those tournaments. They usually alternate between Southern China, so this one was in Guangzhou and Beijing in the North. And I've, I went, like most of you know, I was invited and went to the one in Beijing last December and I'm hoping that I'll be able to go again this year. Actually, that this is where Eric and I first met, right? Uh, yeah, that is. Yeah, it was about last December. Are you going to go again? Or I guess now that you're based in the US, it's not that easy anymore. Yeah, no, it just worked out really well for my vacation at the time. And it wasn't, you know, the flights were pretty good from from Thailand. But this year, I don't think I'll be going because it's like a 30 hour flight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's pretty wide. Another tournament that was going on on the same weekend, hey, who's at Legacy was that? Like, we're seeing all these tournaments. Is the Leaving a Legacy open in somewhere in New England? Oh, damn. I, I, Acton, Mass. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that counts as New England, right? Yes, that's actually where I grew up, so I know it very well. Oh, nice place. Uh, yeah, it's, it was my hometown. They didn't have a magic store until after I left. But then um, in college, they opened a game store in Acton, and then I've like been back when I visited a home. I was like, oh, this would have been nice to have. But yeah, it was cool. Cool. So yeah, the Leaving a Legacy Open brought to you by the Leaving a Legacy podcast. And they had, despite there were other tournaments going on in, in the similar area, I think Philadelphia, which we will talk about later on, still a decent representation of, I think, almost 100 people showed up for it. And the finals were actually taken down by a deck. Nobody would have probably predicted to do that. Back then, we would have called it Big Sue. Now it's like punishing Big Sue. It's a deck that plays four Wildner Cattle, four Tarmogolf. I mean, even four Tarmogolf is like quite rare these days. Four Noble Hierarch, four Knight of Reliquary, and then just 12 removal spells. Four Swords, four Bolt, four Punishing Fire, and two Sylvan Libraries together with a couple of Silver Bolts and Green Sun Sunnet. So this is pretty straightforward. Remove your guys, hit your face, and it actually ended up taking down the event. How do you feel about that deck, guys? Is Sue something that's coming back, or is this just like... Like a one-hit wonder. I'm gonna call it a one-hit wonder. I don't even know. Like this deck is very pretty. It's like all Japanese. Uh, it's done very nice. But I just I, I I'm like at a complete loss. Like I'm struggling to see what decks Zoo is good against. I think it's probably ahead against Delver, and uh, I don't even know if it beats Control. I definitely don't think it beats Combo. And even against Chalice decks, I mean, I guess maybe you're okay against Chalice decks. But like this deck is playing. Four plows, four nobles, four bolts, four wildling cattles. It's probably fine against chalice decks, but I wouldn't be like super excited to play it against chalice decks. I don't know. It's just crazy to me that someone's playing zoo and winning. Eric, what do you see when you look at the deck? Of by the way, let's give a shout out to Merit El Murazi, the pilot of the deck, who ended up taking down the event. Eric, what do you see? Do, do you just straight skip to the three surgical extractions and feel like oh that's not enough? <laughs> I did look at that. I would guess it's, I mean, not necessarily a fluke, but I bet it's not something that could be run back over and over again to win 100% tournaments. It looks like kind of like what Bob's said, but they're, you're playing a deck with creatures and creature removal. There's so many things in Legacy that just don't care about that stuff. So I'm a little surprised that it was able to, to take it down, but I would play it on stream. <laughs> you would? <laughs> you would go 5-5 five, five and break it. Yeah. Once again. 5-5, five, 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 Legacy's broken. <laughs> I, I was actually wondering whether Sue was viable a um, couple, or more like a month ago. I actually started putting it together, but a much more aggressive variant that had like step links and, and wouldn't play uh, any of the, the three drops. Because I felt like maybe while Nakatl being a 3-3 can actually get past most of the stuff that's going on in the format. But then I was reminded that Balefus Strix is still a card. So I don't know. I, I wonder whether you really want to play the Punishing Fire engine in there or just go for straight up Renin 6. But at that point, you, you're really starting to look like a worse version of Four Color Loam, I guess. So I don't know. I, I, the deck also interests me. I kind of want to play it just to, to see how it actually ends up performing. I'm not fully convinced, but I'm very open to being wrong because Sue being in the meta game is always something that I would be happy about. It hasn't really been a deck ever since 2011, pretty much. 
So it's been gone for a while. By the way, super interesting final. They played the first game. Merit on uh, Sue ended up winning the first game against Fokala Delva. And then while sideboarding, they, they discovered that his opponent had a decklist error, which nobody noticed until the finals. So as the final game of the tournament, his opponent received a game loss and the tournament would have ended. But they decided, okay, um, officially I have won, but let's still play the other two games just to, for the sake of it. So a lot of people, including me, tuned into the stream and they saw uh, Merit on Punishing Sue actually lose those second two games. And feel like, okay, so Falcon Delva has won the event. And then afterwards, there was a lot of confusion <laughs> with people who felt like, hey, what? Did he like scoop the finals or what happened? So now, no. In case you came here and you were wondering how did Sue win after losing two games, this is how it, how it goes. <laughs> okay, so Sue technically didn't even beat Delver, which was like the one deck I pointed to being like, hey, that's probably a fine matchup for Zoo. It's really kind of hard to see what this would be good against. Maverick, maybe? Yeah, but Maverick used to slaughter Sue. I mean, having Punishing Fire definitely helps it out. I don't know. I guess after sideboarding, you have one, two, three, four, five hate bears for Storm, but even that's not great, considering that you're not doing anything else, really. Jesus, I, mean, I don't I know. I will just be like, we'll put it down as a question mark. Maybe people will play it some more and realize it's bad. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I just don't see it. Like, to Eric's point, a lot of your cards have blank text boxes. That's not where you want to be. Still, I, I heard that we're gonna see Eric play the deck in the near future. At least it sounded like. I said I would be. I I might. I might try to see. see don't if, don't how say wrong that because now like but... the zoo contingent is gonna come hound you until you do that. So yeah, I'm not really gonna be there. I'm gonna be like Eric. When's Sue day? Let, let's take him to the zoo. We wanna see Sue. <laughs> if you ever put up like a, a Twitter poll or something, hey, what should I play tonight? Everybody's gonna be like Sue, Sue, Sue. In before my viewers asked me to play Sue, but I actually would like to play Sue. It's a pretty straightforward deck to play. But anyway, in speaking of pretty straightforward decks to play, no, <laughs> seriously, Bob, you, you played Slow Depth at SCG Philly, Philadelphia. Who did you team with, by the way? Uh, I teamed with Collins Mullen, who played Bant mid-range, and Lee McLeod, who played the Urza deck in Modern. And boy, was that deck uh, really, really fun to spectate and watch. It was, it was kind of wild and crazy. And I think I'm excited to see if people play it at the Mythic Championship coming up next weekend or, or this weekend. I'm ex excited to see like what pros come up with because it's like I think if you build that deck properly, it's very, very powerful. Yeah, I hear that even before the banning of Bridge, it was already considered favored against all the, the Hogarth Dredge decks in yeah. Modern. So I think that can only have gotten even better now that the combo is not there anymore with the Altar. Yeah, the Hogak deck lost its free I win button, so uh, I think Urza should be fine against that deck. It's just like, it's one of those, you know, artifact decks where you have like War of Invention, so you're you're kind of just ahead against any deck that's like weak to your tutor targets like Grafdigger's Cage and Spellbomb. So, overall, you didn't get the necessary record to make day two, or, or did you actually make day two and, and just not get there in the end? Uh, no, so you needed a 7-2 record to, to make day two, and as I said earlier, I, I personally went 7-2, um, could have gone 8-1 if I played a little bit tighter, but uh, team didn't make day two. But still, it was a really fun event, and I had a good time. Would you play the same list again? We're definitely going to post in the show notes because I know you've been working on that deck for quite a while now, actually, right? Yeah, honestly, I, I wish I had more time to prepare, but I only played a couple leagues with the deck after Dave Long, the depth master, messaged me and was like, hey, this deck is still good. And I had tried Four Colored Elver, which, by the way, it won the event, but it did not do well in general. I think there was maybe only one copy in day two. The breakout deck of the tournament was definitely the Four Color Snow Pile, which I felt was pretty ahead against Four Color Delver, and just a much better constructed deck in my opinion. Four Color Delver, I tried it, I found it extremely clunky, and if you didn't draw red and six, you lost so easily to Wasteland, you couldn't cast your spells half the time. I have absolutely zero interest in ever playing that deck again, uh, even though it did take down the event, but, you know, someone's got to get lucky, I guess. Yeah, mana bases in Legacy are super dependent on, on red and six right now, right? Yes, and I do want to talk a little bit about that. I think... Renin 6 makes the most sense in a control deck because a control deck leverages the land drop so much better than Delver does. In Delver, you can do like a couple cool things. Like if you get the Ren ultimate off, you can like use days. You can just literally sacrifice an island to cast days because you return an island and then discard it to the retrace, which is kind of cool. But like overall, Delver just does not use the extra lands well, and you basically just have a bunch of blanks in your hand. Whereas control, I know my friend Rugved has recently been adding lonely sandbars. Uh, and then 
with that, you actually literally just get generate a card every time you tick up with Ren and Six. So Control just leverages the land drops and the cards much better than Delver does. So I, I expect to see a lot more of this four-color snow deck, and I think it's probably... It was the deck of the tournament. I expect to see a lot of it going forward because, you know, people love playing, like, the Chuck Pile-style decks. And I guess we should go into a little bit what this deck is about because a lot of our listeners might not, you know, keep up with Legacy as closely as we do. But the breakout deck of the tournament was built by Daryl Ayers. We had talked about it a good amount, but it's basically the classic check pile of colors, but you get to play some basic lands and Arkham's Astrolabe, which is a one mana snow artifact. You pay a snow mana, and then you enter into the battlefield, you draw a card, and then you start filtering all your mana. So what this lets you do is basically build like a pristine mana base that's like very good against Wasteland while casting all the powerful spells. So Abrupt Decay, Culligan's Command, Leovold, Narset, like Brainstorm, Snapcaster Mage, all the removal spells. Plague Engineer. It's just like this huge, silly value engine. And I think this deck is very well built to beat up on the fair decks like Delver, Death and Taxes. And with three Plague Engineer main, I see some people playing like it has a good shot against decks like Elves too, which were traditionally reasonable against these slow blue decks. So that's kind of my spiel on, on Four Colors Now. What do you guys think of this deck? And like you mentioned, it, it's the breakout deck of the tournament. Uh, I feel a little bit betrayed. I initially called it Four Color Astro Check, but I guess, I guess your snow control makes a lot more sense. It put three copies in the top eight in the hands of Daryl Ayers, Lucas Cruz, and Harlan Fryer. So we already saw it's put up a lot of numbers on Magic Online and terrorize people with its snow mana base, which is pretty untouchable almost i mean there there's definitely going to be games where wasteland is going to hurt you or even blood moon but considering that Akon's astrolabe is not only castable but also like completely works still under blood moon the, the deck is quite resilient to to mana disruption with run and six in the mix as well so <laughs> to me that's the kind of magic or the kind of deck i hate where colors stop mattering all that much anymore and you really just get to get to play all the good stuff, which usually is is like four colors without white, because white doesn't really offer all that much good stuff or, or more specific good stuff. But this is definitely a deck that will be one of the top decks to beat in, in the legacy to come. At least that's how I see it. Eric, how do you feel about that deck? I'm not at all surprised that, that it was heavily represented in the top eight. I Although I am still pretty skeptical about Arkham's Astrolabe, I think that Renin 6 kind of fixes your mana and makes Wasteland not good. And it's pretty easy to play if your two mana thing does that. You can just use your fetch lands to make it so that you can get to your second land drop usually. And I think that's like Astrolabe is four cards to and then three basics. I just, I'm skeptical. I haven't done it. I haven't played it. I'm just very skeptical of Astrolabe and Legacy as being necessary way to fix your mana when you can use fetch lands and duels and well the reason astrolabe is good is because it turns your basics into dual lands so that you don't get wastelanded basically yes i understand that but if you get wastelanded when you have ren and six in play the ren is that your your opponent just wasted themselves as well i mean you just get the land back fair so i I just think ren and six is good enough against wasteland that you can run four colors and not really care about wasteland as long as you're able to set up your Ren and Six. If that's the card that's most important, then you need to set it up. But so I'm just, like I said, I'm just skeptical of it. I haven't tried it. I, I just feel like it's four cards that are probably not necessary. And the last thing I was going to say is if it, it's good against Blood Moon because you might be able to cast some spells, but you might not be able to cast any spells either because you're playing three basics. You get a basic, you get an Arkham's Astrolabe. That means you can make probably two colors for the rest of the game. And that, that, that's a good chance that that's not good enough. Um, so Blood Moon is still going to be... It's not like it completely negates Blood Moon because you have these uh, three basics and four Arkham's Astrolabes in your deck and think that they're kind of just like not that good against a lot of other decks. So I don't know. I haven't tried it. I'll try it. I could be wrong. Fair. It's just, I hope that we won't see this kind of magic. And if, I'm, I'm heavily biased against this kind of deck. I, if you know, I also... I, I hated that check pile was a thing. But I gotta admit that the numbers it has been putting up as of late are really, really good. And I'm, I'm with Eric when it comes to Astrolabe. I always wonder whether that card is really necessary. It It's still going to take a little bit of work for me to fully buy into the card, even though a lot of people are like, oh my god, I have a basic island, a fetchland, and an Astrolabe. I can cast every, every single card in my deck. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think maybe you only need Ren and Six, but it's more like, oh, you don't always draw Ren and Six every game, so it's kind of like you have you know seven to eight ways to fix your mana rather than just three or four. 
I've been very impressed with the card when I tried it. So I guess you guys, you know, have to try it for yourselves. Uh, question for you, Julian. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with you that I hate I hate a check pile. I hate everything these kinds of decks stand for. They just like they sit there, they answer all your spells, they two for one you eventually until you have nothing left. It's very like boring way to play Magic, in my opinion at least. Um, and I don't like find it super exciting. But there also there was a five color snow deck. Speaking of you know what white adds, there was a five color snow deck that went five and two in the Legacy Challenge online by Lucky Dragon, and he was playing white for some good ones. Headshot. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? Uh, you know we can, uh, we can <laughs> yeah. pretend that that was just my um, my background, but. <laughs> I forgot to turn those off. Anyway, Lucky Dragon. I I I just googled for the list. I've got it in front of me. Right, keep yeah. going, man. <laughs> so so this is a five color snow deck. It's playing four Ren and six, four Astrolabes, four Prismatic Vista, and one of each snow basic land. How can you not love this list? This list it plays white for. Let's hear it. Okay, so Source of Plowshares. Okay, that's actually the b- biggest reason to play white. But he only plays two of them because you, you only need two, anyways. Uh, then. You got Teferi Time Raveler, so okay, not that spicy. But then he has Atraxa, Praetor's Voice, which is the every color except for red, 4-4 Angel Horror with all the keywords. Proliferate, Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink. And Legendary. And Legendary, sure, why not? I just think, uh, I mean, Proliferate works really well with your Planeswalkers, right? I just think this deck is awesome, and I think everybody should stop playing the 4-color Snow Decks and play the 5-color Snow Decks, because they're way cooler. This is hilarious, especially if you had ever told me that we would see a five-color deck in Legacy that plays five basic lands, I'd be like, how? But <laughs> this is uh, this mana base is almost like a like a commander mana base if you look at it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like one of every like dual land. Oh my god, yeah, it's so funny. I wonder whether they are playing the mountain just for the memes. Oh my god, this 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 list. It, we're definitely going to link it in the show notes. And it also has another, it's not even a new arrival to Legacy, really, but a card that I've seen a lot more of lately, Ashiok Dream Render, which is a Planeswalker, one colorless, and then two, uh, how would you call it, Demir Manas or hybrid mana, blue-black. And what it does is it has five loyalty. Spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their library, which is Fucking annoying if you're playing elves and you can neither send it nor end of turn fetch dried up on our natural order. So the card has more impact than I initially thought it would have. And it can also minus and mill the opponent for four cards and remove their graveyard. And by the way, just yesterday, I got actually milled by, I think it was Miracles playing this card against me. And yeah, usually I'm the guy milling Miracles or decking out <laughs> Miracles. But yeah, it just lost, lost the decking because of the stupid Ashia card. It's harder to uh, deck the Green Sun Zenith deck, but... Yeah, yeah, I guess with Ashiok, it actually it also exiles their graveyard. Um, you can also target yourself, but you always exile your opponent's graveyard. Yeah, what do you guys think of this card? Because I have been seeing it in like some weird lists. I like I saw this Zombardment list that just played Ashiok main, and I was just like, why would you play it main? Obviously, it's very good against tutors, as you mentioned. So it's good against Storm. It's good against graveyard decks. It stops fetch lands i guess but like i just i don't really understand why people are playing this card yeah it doesn't really do much especially not in the main deck does it it it, it feels like like a cute thing that you can cast for three mana that's going to interact with some important aspects of your opponent's deck so that's why i can see in the sideboard but i think people were also like glorifying it in, in pox because you you can like destroy all the lands and land ashiok and then they can never fetch land again but that's very deep into the danger of cool things for me. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess I, I have seen it in Pox too. So yeah, that, that, that's at least like, I mean, yeah. it's it's still Pox. I don't know. I believe in that card in a Pox deck. I've played some Pox decks on my stream and they've, and they've been actually really good, like way better than I expected. And Ishiok as a two of in them was pretty good. I mean, you're playing Dark Ritual and at least I was in the, in the list I was playing. And if you can play it on turn one, and you're playing smallpox and wasteland and stuff like that, it's very hard for most decks in Legacy to actually do anything whatsoever. However, like, in a sideboard of Miracles, like, this card coming down on turn three, it's way too slow for that effect. Yeah, that, that that's the same thing I, I'm feeling about the card. So it's probably more like like a cute thing to do. And if you wanted to have a three-mana walker for, for like, a control mirror, I guess you'd go with maybe even Baby Chase or, or Teferi or something like that. Or, of course, Nasa. Well, Nasa is already in the main for this list, at least. But, yeah. So, to get back to Bob's original question, this is a deck that I can respect. Because this this is a deck that's pushed to the next level, and it's almost like 
it's a deck that's able to laugh about itself. It's actually playing five colors and five snow basics. I, I can respect that. They're also playing that Atraxa, so I'm not really sure why you would want to play that Atraxa. Uh, Flying Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink. I guess that's nice, but it, it lacks First Strike. If it has Death Touch, it needs First Strike. Otherwise, it's going to just die to Strix or, or Ice Fang Kotal, I, I guess. It's like good in the mirror, but then they just go like Fetch Land, Fatal Push. <laughs> Yeah, the proliferate thing is like really cute when you can grow your planeswalkers, but if you have a planeswalker and you're attacking with, with your four drop, that's already a pretty good position that most other four drops would excel in as well. So not fully sold on the four mana legendary flyer that doesn't really do all that much, even though it has so many keywords. But maybe, maybe it's the next thing to come. I don't know. I really think it's just a thing where you show off how many different colors of mana you can produce. You're like, hey, I got all these four different colors of mana. Let's just cast the craziest thing we can find for that. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks insane to me. But yeah, getting getting a little bit more back on topic. So the four-color snow deck is basically you know the new deck of the past two weeks. I believe it is the best Ren and Six deck I have seen thus far. Although I do have a friend, uh, Matt Soleil, who's been telling me that he's been crushing it with, with Sylvan Plug, which is a Ren and Six deck that's a Chalice deck. But <laughs> for most people, most people would say this four-color snow deck is the best Ren and Six deck that has been built so far. Uh, and I would agree with that. How do you guys think we should start attacking this deck if it becomes, like, you know, the new, like, I don't know about if it'll be, ever become as good as Checkpile was, but, you know, like, the new de facto, like, blue mid-range control deck, how do we start beating it? So something I tried when, when people started doing this thing was to go all in on all-in combo, <laughs> on, on super-fast combo, which kind of worked to a degree, but also not really super satisfying, especially not to, to a degree where I felt like, oh my god, we are really hitting these deck cards, and it's, it's going to suffer from what we're doing. So, oh, it's it's so tough. I guess one way, especially if well, most of them are running Wasteland, right, one way would be to go over the top to play some kind of 12-post deck, because those decks don't really care about Plague Engineer, um, Ren and Six, only if they find Wasteland. So if you if you can stop that, maybe that helps. Uh, that's one way I could see it happening. Um, the other thing, of course, that you can always try is, is to to construct some kind of Blood Moon esque deck. Even though that, like we talked about, that can also sometimes backfire, especially if you're on the draw. It's not going to be exciting, and then they they have a lot of ways to deal with your quote-unquote threats that are sometimes not even all that threatening, especially if they're one of those goblins that just die to... don't really do much once you get Plague Engineer on the board. Yeah, and um, you're playing, you're playing um, Abrupt Decay and Colligan's Command as well to get rid of like you know things like Chalices and Blood Moons. Yeah, so... It, basically, this is what I've been... the dilemma that I've been facing with Elves as well. Like you mentioned, Elves is usually a deck... That's quite strong against blue mid-rangey decks because you just grind them out. But back then, when we used to do that kind of stuff, people didn't have Plague Engineers. I mean, they had Leowalds, but that's that was something we could at least still beat by just attacking them for a ton by casting Krato for Natural Ordering. But Plague Engineer is such a beating. I honestly don't know what we are supposed to do, but I get a feeling that maybe going over the top or having a super resilient combo could also do the thing. Because if you look at the main deck, if you're playing combo, which cards do you actually care about? You They got four Force of Will and two Thoughtseize. So unless you're playing like a creature-based combo, or or then yeah, there's not really much they, they're going to interact with. Yeah, I agree for the most part. I think it uh, looks to me like these lists are lacking in things that Checkpile and other previously built blue-black-based control decks usually had to make things like Reanimator a difficult or make this a difficult matchup for Reanimator, things like Narset and Leovold in the main. This doesn't have any of that, and it doesn't have Gurmag Angler. It doesn't have any of the like inevitability that you would want after casting two counter spells. Um, and it's got a lot of dead cards. So I think something like Reanimator or Dredge would be pretty good at fighting against the way that they are currently built. So I guess we, we might be talking about a couple different decks. I guess the main deck we want to refer to is probably Daryl's deck. That's what I'm looking at. I don't see any Leovolds or Narset. Yeah, so, you're, so you are correct. There are two Leovolds that he ended up... He played the main for a while. He also tried Narset. He ended up moving all of that to the sideboard. So I think his deck specifically, yeah, you want to attack it by, by playing perhaps a combo deck that he doesn't have as many interactive spells against. Like he only has two Thoughtseize four force in the main, another force and a force of negation in the sideboard. So I, I do think combo is the correct answer in terms of what to attack here because 
as we established, it's very hard to attack the mana base. Uh, it's like if you're playing a creature deck, especially if you're creature, playing a creature deck that's a tribal deck or has a lot of X ones, you're just automatically behind. So you want to avoid those kinds of strategies, and you basically want to play like more hard combo decks that like require this four color control deck to draw one of its like interactive spells early. So I, I definitely agree. I think combo is the best way to attack it. Uh, that being said, it can basically build itself to beat many of the combo decks. Like Dave Long, amazing depth player, he did lose his winning in against Alex Rubin, uh, who was playing not this deck, but a very similar four-color control deck that uh, Strifo built. So he also, Dave Long, lost to like uh, the four-color control when they drew, drew their Liliana's Triumphs, and they still had Renin Six and Wasteland. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is this kind of deck can beat most combo decks, like I think it can build itself to be ahead against Storm, ahead against Sneak and Show, ahead against Dark Depths, maybe even ahead against like a deck like Dredge. But you, it can't do it all at once. You just you just run out of sideboard space eventually. So it really depends on like what it's trying to beat. But it can. It's generally just like game one's going to be soft against combo, and then game two, did you bring the right sideboard cards? Uh, kind of deal. Yeah, I agree because this is actually. The core of this is like the biggest nightmare of blue decks for reanimator. If there were like three or four different cards different <laughs> than the than the Daryl Ayers build that I'm looking at, yeah, the deck is highly customizable. I wonder yeah. if if they are playing a list like that, how does Miracles actually fare against that? Miracles doesn't also care against about too many of those cards, but. It also can't really win the game very well against them, I guess. I almost feel like I want, I want to get to a Miracle's list that, that starts using and treat the Angels again, if you can survive until that, because that deck doesn't really do much after that. But yeah. there's just so much value in this deck that that's going to be tough to actually set that up. I No, I agree. I think a Miracle's build with accumulated knowledge and, and treat the Angels to go just way over the top could have a good chance against this deck. Traditionally, Miracle's, that's kind of how it, it beat those checkpile decks. So I think there's some potential there. Also, these decks are not playing him to Turok, which was another way they had to beat Miracles. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm like pretty... like I think Miracles could be built to beat this deck as well. So how, how do you feel when you're playing, um, for example, your slow depth version? You already mentioned that you did pretty well against Ren and Six decks. Do you think it's also well pos generally well positioned? So not just your tournament that you did well in, but um, as a general choice for the metagame? Yeah, I think Dark Depths, I'm very happy with it. Uh, I'm very likely to play a Dark Depths deck for the Grand Prix. The, the deck I've been experimenting with is Hogak Depths. You mentioned that it did well in the Eternal event in China. It's been doing well on Magic Online. So far, I, I'm i like 8-1 uh, with the deck. I'm 4-0 in a league. Hopefully, I'll get that 5-0. Uh, but my friend Kerry, he said he's 18-2, and two, so I think that deck is also for real. We can talk about that a little bit. But overall, let me just talk a little bit about Dark Depths against Renin Six specifically, because I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, so on its face, it's like, okay, why would you want to play Dark Depths against a deck that can recur Wastelands? But I think that's not the full story. I think you just have so many ways as Dark Depths to interact with Renin Six that, yes, if Renin Six Wasteland is unanswered, it will eventually beat you. But what do you have? You have... You have turn one discard, you have Vampire Hex Mage to kill Renin Six, you have uh, Crop Rotation or Sylvan Scrying for Bajuka Bog to exile their graveyard so that uh, they can't, you know, Wasteland loop you, and you don't really care if they just have a bunch of non-Wasteland lands. Basically, I've already listed a bunch of ways that you can kind of interact with Renin Six. You can even attack Renin Six, uh, depending on your, like, depths build. So, like, for example, I was playing Hogak Depths and I had some Elvish Reclaimer and I just attacked and killed it. There are, like, a lot of different ways to interact with it. It does mean that Dark Confidant is a no-no. Like, whenever I played against Renin Six for my first four rounds, I just sided them out every single round. So it does possibly mean that, like, Slow Depths might not be the optimal build for it. But something like Turbo Depth that also gets to play, like, Pithing Needle, like, maybe that's, like, a better build that would be good against these Renin Six decks. So I think Dark Depths has a ton of play against Renin Six. It is a card that does interact with you, whereas before Control might have played like another card that like you didn't really care about. So it, it has gotten a little bit harder, I would say, but I, I don't feel like threatened by these Control decks with Dark Depths until they start doing stuff like, you know, playing like three Edicts and more hate cards for Dark Depths, basically. Yeah, that, that sounds that sounds fair. Uh, I know that James Su from well, both Beijing and, and Canada has also been playing that deck in the event. And I think he went X and 3, uh, but he also said he threw away a game, so he also really enjoyed that, that list. I think he's been rocking a list very similar to the one you're putting forward recently. 
but also talking about uh, reclamation hogak depth. I don't know whether we have actually established a proper name for it yet. I'll just call it Hogak Depths, yeah, or Hog Depth. Hog Depth, I like that. <laughs> the list that everybody has been playing thus far lately is the one by Dian Solva on Magic Online, who has put that up, that sweet 61 card main deck. Uh, I don't know where he got that from, but that I, I've been loving that list. I picked it up, I streamed it. I think I also started out far and out, then I ended up not winning the, the fifth game, but I've also been playing it off stream for quite a bit, and the deck is really, really strong. I barely ever win casting Hogak. I'm not even sure. I think I played it through three or four leagues and I maybe have won like two or three games with Hogak. But it's a really nice backup plan because sometimes the opponent has to commit some a significant amount of resources to actually stop that plan. So I thought sees them and I see like all this graveyard hate and I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude, just take the 2020 to the face. And like you mentioned, Elfish Reclaimer is also like a serious card. It's a one mana, that, uh, one mana threat in the way that it either tutors for the combo or also puts a lot of pressure on Planeswalkers when it, when it turns into a 3-4. So that's definitely not to be underestimated. That That's a very real card. I'm still not 100% sure that you want to play the Hogak package or at least not the four Hogaks. I don't know. Because I feel like maybe we can put something else in there that's going to make our in plan A even better. I have an idea. And I have actually done it. You just cut a Hogak. The deck only needs three Hogaks. It's got 61 cards. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, man. I got a Hogak and I've been playing it and three Hogaks is plenty. And I've actually, I would say I've won about half the games I've played with Hogak with the three. I feel I'm late to the party. Has everybody been cutting the fourth Hogak? Uh, Not necessarily. I mean, in the challenge yesterday, two people went five or Dean Solver top eight it again, I think. And then another player playing his exact 75 went five and two. Uh, I I think this deck, I I looked at it and my, my first impression was like, well, I don't really see what this deck does that the Turbo Depths or Slow Decks Depths do- does. Um, I, I didn't, basically didn't see a reason to play the deck. But now that I've actually played the deck and thought about it some more, the reason to play this deck is you're, you're just so much better against the Blue Decks Game 1. Like, the Blue Decks just can't really interact with your Graveyard, Stitcher Supplier, Cabal Therapy, like, nonsense. And then post-board, they're forced to bring in all these Graveyard Hate spells, uh, and Hogak, like you said, was is, is a much easier angle to interact with. Like every blue deck has surgical, basically, and so they sp- they spend so many cards interacting with your Hogaks that you end up just like ignoring those cards completely, and then just winning with depths is what I've been finding post board. But game one, the graveyard angle is is extremely potent. And so overall, I would say Hogak depths compared to regular depths, it seems much stronger against the blue decks. It cares very little, or cares a lot less about Wasteland. It might be slightly weaker against the Chalice decks just because you play more ones. But I think the other depths decks were so ahead against the Chalice decks that you're you're still going to be ahead against them. And then you are much worse against Death and Taxes, however, because you don't have like the Dark Confidants and Sylvan Safekeepers to play through their cards. Everything you do just kind of plays into Krakus and Swords and Plowshares. But luckily, uh, Ren and Six has kind of really pushed out Death and Taxes from the format. So it's a deck that most Death and Taxes players are very, like, honestly, they're like hesitant to play it right now. After we talk about this, I do want to talk a little bit about Ren and Six. I know Rodrigo was posting on Twitter saying like, hey, maybe this card should be potentially banned down the line for the same reason Death Rate is, was banned because it just like homogenized too many decks. But let's talk a little bit more about this Hogak deck and then let's move on to that topic. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so what do you guys, uh, like, do you guys have any other impressions of, of like, if, is this Hogak deck for real? Hogak depths? You know what I like? You mentioned that it can be somewhat weak to Chalice and that actually, that that's something that came up on one of the leaks I streamed and chat came to the rescue because you can actually disable the chalice by using your vampire hex mage, yep. which I almost totally missed. And Chad was like, "Hey, you know what? Just use the hex mage on the chalice and get end of turn dark depth and kill them." I'm like, "Whoa, this deck!" <laughs> yeah, that's that's like one one reason among many that dark depths is favored against chalice. The other reason is you just play lands and then like you win the game, uh, and you have abrupt decay in your sideboard as well. Eric, you have also streamed the deck you mentioned. I started streaming it today. I've played a couple leagues with it. I think it's pretty good. Um, my first impressions of it were that it looked not good. <laughs> but then I saw DN Solver playing it on his stream, and he was crushing it. He said the Hogak package was unnecessary. But in my experience, the Hogak seemed to add something. I'm not sure if it's necessary in the long run. I think, as I've, I might have said here before, but I have said in the past that I think mashup decks generally perform very well early on and then the mashup just hurts them 
later on once people realize what's going on and they figure out how they're actually supposed to sideboard against it and things like that. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how that ends up in the future. But one other thing, there is a person screen named Sun31 who's been playing Colony yep. Gardens in depths for years. And I think that's the first person who put this together. So I just wanted to mention that. Shout out <laughs> to the creator, Sun31. I don't actually know if they're the creator, but I do know that they've been co- playing Colony Gardens in depths with, with therapy for a very, very long time. So I have a feeling they might be. It's kind of funny how the deck plays three yeah. Colony Gardens and three Satara Wayfinders, which is like, in a vacuum, they're like crap cards, right? But the Colony Garden does surprisingly much for the deck. It gives you an extra creature to, to cast a Hogak. It protects you from, from edict effects to, to a certain degree. I don't know if three is the correct number, but the, the, the card has been working out for me. I almost feel ashamed to say that. Um, but yeah, with regards to sideboard, I think it makes, I think it makes sense in this deck. I think in the past I thought I was like, ah, I'm not seeing that because it's a tapped land to potentially help you with, with some edict stuff. Uh, I think there's better, better things to be doing that. And then the therapy interaction, I don't think is it's, it's okay, but I don't think it was worth it for a tap land, but in this one, you can also cast Hogak on it. So I think with those, now you have three aspects that make it you know, kind of worth putting yeah, into play and this tap, entire so. deck just makes, like, Liliana's Triumph look like a silly card, basically. Like, what are you going to kill? Like, a plant? A Stitcher Supplier? A Seder Wayfinder? <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, yeah, with regards to sideboarding, something I actually happen to do quite a lot is to take out all the Hogaks and the four Stitcher Supplier, especially against, for example, Storm Combo decks, where I felt like it was a little bit too slow. That might be wrong, because the Stitcher Supplier can also find Cable Therapy, but I noticed that the sideboarding with the stack is pretty straightforward, also because the, the sideboard is very, very dedicated to, to beating certain styles of decks. Like there's three Mindbreak Traps, three Surgicals, three Sylvan Safekeepers, and then basically five removal spells um, between Decay and Trophy, and the one of Caracas, which I sometimes wanted in the main, but I think it's reasonable to have it in the sideboard. So yeah, I'm, I'm very high on the stack. I, I really like it a lot, and to me, Elfish Reclaimer, oh my god, I love that card. I wish we could make it work in regular elves, but I mean... He's like a mercenary. He he had a different kind of training, so he went out there <laughs> because he wasn't really needed in the Lanova forest. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to team up with the Gogari and I'm going to get Dark Depth and put 2020s into play, which is the natural enemy of, of elves. They still haven't printed a Lanova Elf of Reach, but you never know. One day, one day we, we shall see one of them. That's too much power creep, Julian. Lanova Elves would be too okay. <laughs> We have fucking Grizzlebrand in the format. Come on. <laughs> Flying Lanowaves, that will be the end of Legacy. <laughs> I can see it. I can see yeah. it clearly. Well, let's go on to our, our, our last topic, <laughs> like, relating to Power Creep, is uh, I made a quick post on Twitter today basically saying I felt like Ren and Six and Plague Engineer were mistakes. I think Karn and Narset, a lot of people had issues with them, but I was more okay with them because they were a little bit more expensive and they hated on combo a little bit more. Ren and Six and Plague Engineer really push out a lot of fair decks. Like, they're just so strong against Thalia. They're really strong against Elves, Goblins. And, like, I just think Ren and Six should have, like, two or three loyalty, so then you can... Or, or, hold on, it has three loyalty, right? It has three, yeah. Yeah, so I think it should start with two loyalty, and then I think that would be fine, because then if it ticks up, you can still lightning bolt it, and then at least you're getting a mana advantage. The way it's constructed now, there's literally no way to get an advantage against Ren and Six, other than something like, I don't know, like Hydroblast, like a very narrow card, because they just two-for-one you, and you, like, don't even come out ahead on mana when you kill it with, like, an Abrupt Decay. So I think it should have one fewer loyalty. I think Plague Engineer should be, first of all, it should be symmetrical. I really dislike these one-sided effects. So I really think like, yeah, Karn and Narset, they should also be like symmetrical and that would have fixed them as well. I, I get that they're trying to like push cards to be more eternal playable, but I I think it's like kind of sloppy design and like, I it's just like not fun playing against these cards that are just like one-sided prison effects. And Plague Engineer, like it shouldn't have death touch. It should be two-sided. Uh, and it, I just think it's just like it's just like too unfair. But it's also it's a card that like they're never ever gonna ban. Like they're never gonna ban Plank Engineer. And I'm not saying that they should, <laughs> but I'm just saying like this means going forward, tribal decks will have this to contend with. Like the first thing when you build a tribal deck is like, well, how do you beat Plague Engineer? Like, are you playing Lords? Are you doing something else to interact with it? Uh, it's just like a really tough question for for decks to have to answer. So yeah, what are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, I tried beating Plague Engineer uh, in many ways. Uh, one of the the most interesting ones was playing Leyline of Vitality, which gives all of your creatures plus zero plus one, and you gain one life whenever you get a creature into play. Uh, it, 
Yeah, that was embarrassing. It was like I cited, I cited it in against goblins because I had nothing to bring in just to have better blocks. And oh god, it was so bad. I noticed that I had the most success with elves. I've played it quite a lot over the last one, two weeks. Um, when I just went for a very traditional build, also put progenitors into the sideboard because sometimes you can really just like, like get under the, the kind of, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or even have your 2 2, um, that your Nettle Sentinel or Wildwood Symbiote. That's something. You also have decays, but. It's a card. It's so generic that it's really hard to fight. I think you really have to like treat it as as a. Well, it's not even engineer plague because you can't reclamation sage it, which is something you would otherwise be able to do. Uh, it, it's gonna be annoying. It's gonna make our life very problematic. I know that, for example, the Elves community has also done a lot of experimentation with playing more lords now. But the problem is, like these kind of decks, they are usually really good at dealing with creatures. So one thing that came up is that we wanted to play. Can't remember the card right now. Four mana lord, I think two four. So it can't be lightning bolt. It can't be decayed. Uh, gives all your creatures plus one plus one. I think it even has reach, and also you you gain life. Um, I can't remember the card right now. I think maybe I'm actually gonna edit it and. Okay, so I actually looked this up, and the card I was looking for is Drin and Guildleaf Dan. So I think you can't really commit too many resources or or the way you build your deck towards trying to beat Plague Engineer because. After all, you're still only going to face it like every third or fourth round if, if it's like a regular legacy tournament, which is probably already quite a lot. Um, it's making elves and tribal decks, I guess Death in Texas also suffers quite a lot from it, quite miserable to play, but not unplayable. But it's giving me a ton of headaches right now. Mm-hmm. Eric, how do you feel about Grizzlebrand only being a 6-6 now? Uh, uh, well, I think, the pr- I think Plague Engineer is only a little bit better than engineered plague but it's better enough that it's now playable in legacy which is i think that's bad because it, it, that means that the decks that really suffer are these tribal decks and like fringe fun decks you know that that now people that really like those are just gonna have a lot more hard time playing them and it doesn't really add anything to legacy because in the past you had engineered plague which you know if you if elves was on was on top this month and you were having trouble with elves you could put some in your sideboard but it's not that good of a card you know so but now you have this card that's like it blocks or it trades with a tarmogoy for it kills a true name nemesis so it's it's pretty good you know so yeah i think it was i don't think it's that great of a card but I, it's just good enough now that it's uh it's pushing out some decks that don't Agreed. need to be pushed it's out. also good with like colgan's command like if they do answer it somehow you bring it back but the reason it's playable main is like it, yeah. it kills true name nemesis and there's so many like delver decks that are kind of relying on true name nemesis to juke removal and then you just have like this plague engineer so yeah so yeah that's that card it's just gonna be in the exactly. format forever it's gonna hate on tribal decks forever and that's just gonna be legacy from now on so it makes me a little bit sad i really feel like they shouldn't have printed it but let's go on to renin six and talk about how like you know i guess we're all worried that it, it might just homogenize legacy and become like well since you can play all the colors like you can play four colors you can play five colors why would you just not do that and then like every control deck starts to look the same like that's that's my biggest worry with the card i will say death right was legal for like five years and it was only probably towards the last two years that it was just a little bit too much i think Ren and six should definitely not be banned now Maybe we should have this conversation in another year and then reassess. And if it's like been the exact same thing for a year, then I think we should start considering it. So that's my position. So how many people actually thought Deathfly Chairman might end up being banned in Legacy when it first hit the scene? I think not a lot. Correct. Like when it first came out, well, first of all, nobody knew to play it. And then eventually people were like, oh, you play it in Jund, Elves, and Bugdelver. Uh, and then... In those decks, it was very good. And then people were like, wait, hold on. You just play in four-color Delver and Grixis Delver and Checkpile. And then it became like too much, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's an interesting card because in the past, when we saw bands, it's usually because they did something super broken or... I mean, Mental Misstep, I guess, is, is an exception because it's actually... Is it the only answer ever printed that was banned? But the rest is mostly just super broken stuff. Whereas Deathwide Chairman... But let's not get too deep into Death Chain. But yeah, I, I think there's a possibility that at some point in the future it might be banned, but we are probably like at least a year away from that. Like if it if it's keeps dominating and maybe even more than it does right now, then I could see it. But I, I don't I don't think it's we're anywhere close to it actually being banned or even being a contender for being banned. 
this is one of those cases where I really feel like the mantra of let the format figure it out by itself applies. So let, let's see how, how where we're going to be headed. Because Legacy right now overall is not horrible, right? We, I kind of enjoy playing it. Agreed. Uh, there are a lot of diverse decks. Unfortunately, there's less. Like diversity isn't in like Maverick, Death and Texas type decks, which are like fairly interesting. The diversity is random gotcha decks like Eric was trying Urza Stompy. By the way, I saw like an Urza Stompy deck that had four Narsets and four... Uh, Echo Vions, and it also had four Karns and four Urzas. <laughs> it, it was just wild. Um, there's like It's like those kinds of decks that are more playable now, which I find very fascinating and very cool. But uh, Ren and Six is definitely pushing out the creature decks that were a little bit more interesting. And you know what we are losing along with the creature decks? <laughs> I, I, in our show notes, I actually labeled this a recurring segment um, because I feel like we keep going back, or at least I keep going back to this all the time. I titled it like, hashtag the war on white, where is your Stoneforge now? <laughs> because all those four color decks, they're like, okay, I don't really need white, except for the one guy, that, that lucky dragon guy. And with white, Stoneforge Mystic is going away now again because we saw some kind of resurgence of Stoneforge when Death Watch was banned, I feel. Mm -hmm. But now looking at just at the numbers, we saw four copies in the top 25 of the SG Open. We saw two decks, I guess three if you count Death and Texas, in the top 32 of the previous challenge. And in the most recent challenge, we saw a single deck in the top 32 playing Stoneforge. It really feels like the card just isn't good enough to to meta in the format right now it's one of those cards that's that's good against i want to say creature decks it's also an okay threat against most mid-range control decks but ever since code against command that hasn't even been all that much the case anymore i i just feel like why would you want to be playing uh, stoneforge right now which used to be almost a pinnacle of the format like it's one of the centerpieces that the format revolved around for for many years but then Maybe that was a lie. It, it also wasn't really that good when, when Miracles was, was the best deck in the format, so... I don't know. Are, are you mean, guys interested in casting Stoneforge? No, I mean, I've never been a huge fan. I did have a very good GP finish with the card, but it's just, it's a fine card, but like you, to your point, like when the control decks become good against it with, you know, Swords of Plasters, Terminus from Miracles, and then Colligan's Command from these Grixis piles, like, then it just, there's less of a reason to play it because you're trying to go over the top with Stoneforge Mystic, but that just never works out. So that's why nobody's finding too much success, success with it. Maybe the metagame will shift, but what needs to happen is that there needs to be, like, a significant number of decks that white decks are good against, however, or that these Grixis piles are bad against. Um, so maybe something like Kogak Deaths needs to become, like, a much bigger part of the metagame before people start adapting back towards white. Yeah, that actually sounds that sounds super interesting. I wonder if, if that's what we're going to see in the near future, because from everything we talked about today, I feel like depth is really where you want to be going in, in the near future if, if you're not into to in it to, get to cast Renin 6. Maybe we'll actually see a Renin 6 stack depth deck. I mean, color doesn't matter anymore, does it? So just go ahead and do that. So I, I've tried like very hard to beat uh, to to build a Ren and Six Dark Depths deck, the mana just ends up becoming very bad slash tricky. So like the question is like, are you a thought seized? Have you tried deck? to add Astrolabe? No, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so if we're going that direction, then you're basically you're becoming more like a, a Jund, uh, like Loam Ren and Six control deck that happens to have Dark Depths, and you're probably not playing Thought Seizes. Like if you built it that way, I think the mana could work. If you're trying to play Thought Seizes, I don't think the mana really works unless you want to have like you know zero basics and be super vulnerable to Blood Moon and things like that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> In speaking of Blood Moon, is that? A mistake. You sent me the lists of the two most recent of the most recent legacy challenge, and the first and second place by Yamakilla and Slay D FTW. They're the exact same version of Dragon Stompy or yep. Moon Stompy. So Yamakilla was actually streaming, and I believe that they were. Okay, so two possibilities. They were streaming. They did play the exact same list, and they split the finals. I believe. Uh, so either they were friends who knew each other. Or they both, I think they both copied a 5-0 list, and then I guess whoever you know created that 5-0 list had just built the perfect list. I don't think we've ever seen first and second have the exact same 75 in a Legacy Challenge before, so first time for everything. Yamakiller popped into my stream today, and 
mentioned something and it didn't sound like they were friends. It sounded like it was a coincidence that they had the exact same 75 and they did split the finals. And I did ask him just kind of in passing why uh, he thought maybe Mono Red performed so well this week. And he kind of just said he hadn't played Legacy in a long time and thought it looked like a a reasonable strategy, something he'd done in the past. We tried it and he <laughs> made it. I think know, the previous the week had a ton of Rug Delver and I think the previous week, some people were playing the four-color snow deck, but not enough people were playing it. This week, I would have expected more people on Magic Online to be playing it, but I could be wrong. Maybe the Blood Moon deck is still powerful enough to, to beat up on these four-color snow decks when like they don't have the basic lands in their hand, for instance. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious about that matchup. Maybe it's not as bad for Moon as I, as I thought it would be. Well, I mean, Astrolabe costs one. So, I, I think Moon is going to do... You still need a Force of Will, or you're going to lose, mm-hmm. I think basically, unless they mold a four or whatever. And, and I mean, if you have the force of will and they only have one play, then you're going to win. And if, if, if they have more than one play or they resolve the chalice, then you're probably going to lose. Chalice and moon, something like that. So with that, I, I want to move on to uh, two listener questions we received today from Pair of Slacks, who asks, would love to hear your take on Grixis control list running a one-off Nicole Bola's Dragon God in the main deck in place of Liliana the Last Hope. It's put up two 5-0s, different pilots, he thinks, and I think it's kind of wild to me. Same list also has the new Ashiok in the sideboard, which I believe other decks are also picking up. So we already talked about Ashiok, and for you guys, I actually put a picture of Nicole Bola's Dragon God into the show notes so you can actually see <laughs> what this guy is doing. Um, for the listeners, it's a 5-mana Planeswalker with 4 loyalty. It costs 3 black, a blue, and a red. It has all the loyalty abilities of all the Planeswalkers on the battlefield. For plus 1, you draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from their hand or a permanent they control. Minus 3, destroy target creature or Planeswalker. And minus eight, each opponent who doesn't control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. So this is probably the closest to a planeswalker having an ultimate that literally wins the game outside of maybe Chase, I want to say. But it's still five mana. So so to go with my opinion first, um, I don't really have too much of an opinion of the card. It's the kind of thing you play when you're in a very almost inbred meta game where you know that you're not going to face a lot of quick aggressive decks like Sue, for example. <laughs> uh, and you want you want to have something that goes even further over the top in, in the mid to late game when people have maybe exhausted all their, their force of fills or don't have them available right now. So you want to land this and and really just either ride it to victory. I think you might have even just won before you even get to, to use the ultimate. It's not something you would put into a stock list in an unknown meta game. Or at least it would be quite the gamble if you want to have that card work out. Because you, you also get other Planeswalkers for less than half the mana that, that work quite well in that, that kind of deck. But yeah, it's, it's a cute thing. How, how do you feel about that card? I think I'm completely underwhelmed by this card. Um, the static ability, I mean, it's the, the least exciting of all the other ones we've even discussed today. And it's the most expensive Planeswalker. So I don't like the static ability. The plus doesn't i mean usually like jace you're you're brainstorm so you're kind of kind of drawing three you know i mean kind of you gotta look at three cards this one you're drawing one you only look at one your opponent discards a card they might not even have a card to discard by this point in the game it's very difficult to to cast with triple black blue and red uh the minus is about it's kind of like um the six mana ugin that's like oh this is my only removal spell i hope this resolves because otherwise I'm dead and then I, and I know this is going to die. So I have a five mana removal spell <laughs> kind of thing. So I, I don't, I don't know. This card doesn't excite me at all. Well, could you put this into your deck list? In, in which deck list? The, f- the five colors, no deck. Uh, oh, dark depths. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Urborg helps cast it, right? I guess there's an upside. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess none, none of us is really sold on the card, even though it's kind of cute and, I want to see it do something broken, but that would actually probably require for another broken Planeswalker to be in the battlefield. I mean, if they had War of the Spark Part 2 and printed more ridiculous Planeswalkers, then people start main decking this card with, like, Elder Spell. But yeah, I mean, we're just going way too far down a rabbit hole at that point. So, yeah. The other question we received was on the general impact of Renin 6, and I think we already talked about that card a lot. So the, the general question is... Are we making a mistake if we are playing a non-Renin 6 deck? And I think we kind of answered that already in the sense that I think we are not making a mistake. There's many other decks, or at least some other decks that are really good, 
some of them that are even good against uh, the Ren 6 kind of decks. For example, we talked about combo, and I think especially show and tell is something that people should maybe look into um, to to beat Ren and 6. But also the, the, the different version of the depth deck that we talked about. So we, I think we are still not at that point where, where you're actually making a mistake, where you're not playing that kind of deck. For example... I mean, the, the time that comes to mind is Top Miracles, where I really felt I was making a mistake every time I didn't register the deck, which I don't feel like um, Yeah, we're, right we're nowhere now. close to that yet. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that we ever get there, because Top Miracles was just such an incredibly consistent and just way power, more powerful deck than every other deck in the format, and there weren't really good natural predators. Whereas there are a ton of natural predators, some of which we've touched on, um, I also think a deck like Bomberman or Urza Stompy, that kind of strategy can also go under these decks. Uh, basically, any deck that like doesn't really care about wastelands, Ren and Six is almost a blank, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good points, good points. At this point, by the way, in speaking of Top Miracles, next week, the a new Legacy series is going to hit the scene. It's called Legacy Unchained. It's organized by Kalen Smith, uh, also known as Whitefaces. And they are... Actually, I, I joined today. We are going to play a tournament where a lot of currently banned cards are going to be allowed. So that's going to be interesting. I think, Bob, you, you didn't have time to, to play in that. Eric, are you going to be part of that? Yeah, I'll be playing in that. Yeah, I heard the Reduce Saturday, and I like... Uh, this is something that sounds really interesting. I'm super excited to watch you guys, you know, build these crazy decks. I think the unbanned list they chose was perfect. I don't think any card on there was like, whoa, this is way too busted. I think all of them together are approximately the same power level. And, and honestly, they're on the power level of, of certain cards that are already in the format, like Karn and Narset. I'm, I'm excited to see, like, what ends up coming out of this. Uh, but I ultimately decided that I didn't quite have enough time, so I decided to sit out. But... Uh, my friend Cyrus made it in instead of me, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So next week, the the first matches are going to be streamed. It's not going to be streamed on a central channel. Um, instead, all the participants, or most of them, are going to stream it on their respective channels. There's not a fixed time, so people are, are free to schedule. But watch out. There's going to be a lot of Legacy Unchained in the next, I think it's 10 weeks that it's running. So that's going to be something super interesting. And I wonder whether Top Miracles is really just going to st- steamroll everyone. Because it feels I really strong. I doubt it, but we'll see. I think Legacy's just gotten way more powerful. I think if, I don't know, I guess if they unban top today, Miracles instantly becomes good again. I don't think it would be nearly as good as it was before. I'm pretty sure Reanimator's going to be better than everything anybody Wait, but did makes. Reanimator get, like, <laughs> no banned cards? cards? <laughs> no, I'm going to play a completely legal Reanimator deck, and I, I think it beats top Miracles and everything and all the Deathrite Shaman decks. I have to build it for the old Deathrite yeah. Shaman meta, basically. I really hope... That survivor's gonna make a glorious comeback. Survivor of the fittest, the best card ever banned. I just really love Survivor. I hope it's gonna come back. (laughs) 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 Okay, Darth Vader. I was like, are you aware that your voice is uh, a little scratchy there? You don't talk like that to Vader. <laughs> you, you think that would have worked on him in the movies? <laughs> so, guys, um, I think we're going to wrap it up right now. I want to give some shout-outs to our new Patreon, James, who started supporting us this week, as well as our Eternal Witness supporters, Matt and Baju, and, of course, our Grizzabrand tier supporters, Scott and Karush, who've been with us for, I think, over three months by now. So thank you so much for that. And also shout-outs to, I think his name was Matt, who met Bob at SEG Philadelphia. Is that true, Matt? Uh I'm Bob, but yes. (laughs) 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 That whole sentence was so confusing. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I met one of our listeners, Matt. He showed me his Everyday Eternal stickers. They looked pretty nice. So if you are interested in that, please subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, You know, Julian's been mentioning this a couple times, but my mic is, is not the best. So we're trying to chip in, get me a new mic, try to get some new stuff for the rest of the crew as well. If you like our content, we are we're always trying to do better. You know, we're trying to like edit things and make things better. We looked into getting a sound editor, but Julian felt like uh, his his editing was like really good quality. So you know, we decided to stick with that. But I think it would be nice if we could get a little bit of compensation thrown his way uh, for his editing. Yeah, we, have, we have a routine before every podcast where I tell Bob, Bob, I can hear myself on your end. Bob, there's something wrong with your mic. <laughs> <laughs> Happens every time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it already it kind of grew on me. I, I, I wish we could keep... No, actually, it would be nice if we could get you a better mic. Anyway, <laughs> so if you want to support that, check out patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Um, also hit us up on Twitter at eternalmtg. And where can people find you, Eric? 
can find me on Twitch. Oh, well, okay, some of them are EW Landon, I mean, some of them are EW Landon 1. Twitch.ewlandon and Twitter.com slash EW Landon 1. Nice. And Bob, uh, are you actually still streaming a lot? No, I stopped streaming. I Okay, so I need to buy a new laptop. So that's on my to-do list. Maybe I'll do it next weekend or something, but I'm kind of busy. But yeah, I need to buy a new laptop. And then once I have a new laptop, I might stream again. Okay, awesome. And that time we're actually going to also maybe get the, the funds for a webcam for you so we can not only stream your, your forehead. Uh, you know, you're, you're asking for a lot. People want to see your face, but apparently like my co-hosts have this thing where they don't really want to show their, their face on stream. I think, Eric, also, you, you only ever show half your face, right? You want to show off your goat, your cool goat background. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on the, the setup. I have a new computer coming, so things will be a little bit different once I get the new computer set up. But in the meantime, it's a little difficult for me to tilt my camera in a way and sit in a place where you can see me fully, but we're getting there. <laughs> but I, I'm digging the goat theme. I'm really digging the goat theme. Oh, thank you. So with that, guys and girls, thanks a lot for tuning in, and see you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya.